I used to have a pastor that he would give three words to his kids. And he said, sometimes as a parent, these are the three best words that you can give your kids. Figure it out. (laughs) Maybe don't say it that harsh, but I think that that's pretty good advice. And I think that sometimes that's great leadership too. I trust your judgment. Figure it out. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Today is going to be a very focused episode, and it's also going to be a very practical episode. That's because we're going to talk about things that are actionable. And specifically, we're going to talk about the things that you might be doing that you need to stop doing. And then we're also going to talk about the things that you might not be doing or might be avoiding that you need to start doing. And that's kind of how I'm thinking about this episode. Stop, start, stop, start, right? What do we need to stop And what do we need to start? And so we've got three specific arenas that we're going to focus on today. I'm going to give them to you high level, and then we'll dive in more in depth. Number one is stop giving answers. Start asking questions. Number two is stop taking responsibility from people. Start giving responsibility to people. And then number three is stop avoiding silence. Start embracing silence. So let's go to number one, stop giving answers, start asking questions. This action item or this practice was really hit home for me the other day. It's one of the things that I've learned certainly and had hit home since I started this business a year and a half ago is we have now reached the point where my ability to be involved in everything we do is it's just not possible, right? And so we've got to develop other leaders to make decisions and take action and apply healthy growth principles to specific things that they're doing day to day that myself or even Zach can't be involved in. And that's an incredible gift, but it's also kind of freaky, right? It's kind of scary. And so in building up to this point, one of the things that I've learned in working with Zach and in working with our coaches, Kelly and Gerald and Olivia, and in working with even our customers some, is that oftentimes the caliber of leaders you develop is often a reflection of the quality of questions that you ask. And so, so often our impulse and our desire is to give the answer when in reality, the best thing that we could do for the future of that person, for the future of the team, and for the future of the business is to ask a great question. Good leaders ask questions. Think about this for a second. Good leaders give answers. Great leaders extract answers. That's because great leaders have this capacity and the ability to help an individual realize that everything that they need with regard to the mentality and the attitude and the intellectual knowledge and the problem-solving skills and the critical thinking skills, everything they need, they either already have or they have the capacity to get. And so certainly, if you want to develop an ownership mentality on your team, one of your responsibilities as a leader is to teach people to find the answers on their own. And how do you do that? Well, you ask great questions. 
This showed up for me the other day. Kelly, uh, one of our coaches, was about to go into a four-hour intensive with a customer of hers. And I just, I, I love that she's already leading independently these four-hour intensives. It's just absolutely awesome because that's how we start off our one-on-one coaching process. And that morning I texted her and I said I was praying for her as she was preparing for that intensive and everything. And she sent me a question back related to our dashboard and how we structure the dashboards at Path for Growth to track an individual's personal leadership and business growth. And she sent a question about how she should use it with this specific uh, coaching client. And um, she sent that message in the morning. And seriously, she asked me the question about how we should use it. And I started sending back. I literally was typing a very practical, deliberate, methodical answer And then literally I had almost finished typing the answer and I had this thought where I said, no, good leaders give answers, great leaders extract answers. And so I deleted my whole response. I held down the back button and here was my response. It literally said, that's a great question. What do you think you should do? And you know what? She sent back an answer that was spot on. But here's what's more important than even the answer being spot on. The answer was hers. And that's so powerful is giving people, giving individuals the opportunity to own the answer. Because certainly if she is just executing upon the answer that I gave her, then she doesn't get to live with the benefits, but she also doesn't get to learn from the consequences or the mistakes of getting it wrong. Conversely, if she comes up with the answer, and this is going to tie into our second point related to responsibility, now she's on the hook for the answer that she gave. And she gets to experience the benefits and the rewards uh, and the gift of getting something right, or she gets to experience the consequences and the lessons learned from getting something wrong. And here's the thing we need to remember as leaders is both results are good. Non-fatal mistakes are the price of growth. And so even if someone gets the wrong answer, if it's their answer, they get to experience growth and they get to learn and they get to adjust and they get to do something different. Now, in this case, what was so cool is she came up with an answer and quite frankly, her answer was probably better than what I could have given her. But here's the principle that's at play here with regard to stop giving answers, start asking questions. People repeat what works. Okay, so in one way, If I gave her the answer, right? If Kelly asked me a question and I just gave her the answer and then she executed upon that answer and and she said, okay, well, that answer worked. Yes, she learned that that answer worked and and that may be a short-term, immediately gratifying positive or thumbs up. But what else did she learn in that situation? Well, she learned that that answer worked, but then what else did she learn? She learned that the best way to get answers is to ask Alex. And that's not good because that completely minimizes Kelly's creative thinking ability or her perspective, her ability to come up with better solutions than mine, her ability to understand her customers better than me. It completely minimizes and diminishes the incredible value that she brings to our team as someone who has business ownership experience in multiple companies, as someone who has sold a business, as someone who has, I mean, truly turned her life almost 180 degrees to pursue uh, the practice of healthy growth, it completely diminishes all that and just says, here's the answer and teaches her that when she has a question, oh, well, the the best way to to get an answer is just to, to ask Alex. 
Now, the good news is that's not Kelly's impulse at all, but that's not my impulse at all. And I've been capable of this, truly. I, I mean, there was someone that I worked with uh, back at my previous job that I would ask them questions in this role related to, the, to a CRM program that I just hated. I just avoided it at all costs because I just, I hate, I hate Excel. I hate CRMs. I just hate all of that, right? So I would just avoid it at all costs. And so anytime I had a problem with it, I would just ask them a question and they would always give me the answer. And because it always worked, what would I always do the next time that I had a question? I would always go to their desk. And you know who they started to get extremely annoyed by? Me, right? But I was repeating what worked and what I learned worked is they give me the answer and I'm not above or beyond just doing over and over again the thing that works. But when that individual started asking me what I think I should do and started telling me, I trust your judgment and started telling me, I think you should try and figure that out. What did I start doing? I started figuring it out. I used to have a, a pastor that um, he would give three words to his kids. And he said, sometimes as a parent, these are the three best words that you can give your kids. Figure it out. <laughs> uh, maybe don't say it that harsh, but I think that that's pretty good advice. And I think that sometimes that's great leadership too. I trust your judgment. Figure it out. Or maybe we can ask the question, what do you think you should do in this situation? Because what you are doing is giving that person ownership and the ability to make a decision that isn't your decision, that isn't your answer, but that's their answer. And so what do we need to stop doing? Well, we need to stop giving answers. What do we need to start doing? We need to start asking questions. And that's directly related to our second point. Stop taking responsibility from people. Start giving responsibility to people. This was my job directly out of college that this story that I'm about to tell you happened in. Um, I was responsible for this leadership development arm of this ministry out in West Austin. And I'm, I was just so grateful for that experience and so grateful for the lessons that I learned there. But one of the lessons that I learned there was actually something that uh, wasn't at all related to my leadership in some ways. It was related to my role as someone being led, and it helped me learn something about responsibility that I don't think I could have learned any other way. One of the beautiful things about this role and why it was such a gift outside of college is that it gave me the opportunity and the ownership to just uh, take action. And we were creating these marketplace leadership events uh, for business leaders in the city of Austin to try and reach different sectors of the marketplace and develop them with practices and principles of what we believe to be biblical leadership. And we were really focused on making it really, really actionable and just creating a community and a tribe of leaders that could really make a difference in the city of Austin and beyond. And it was just such an unbelievable job outside of college. And again, what I really loved about it was the freedom and autonomy and ownership that I experienced. I truly felt like uh, I was responsible in many ways. And what I want you to understand is that if you have a driven, growth-oriented individual on your team, they thrive in responsibility, right? And, and that's what I felt in this role. I, I felt like I was being trusted. I felt like I was being uh, poured into in many ways. And, and I felt 
like, man, I'm on the hook for some things. And if these events that we're holding go well, then man, I get to celebrate the benefits of them going well, but also I'm on the hook if they go wrong. And that's what I felt like. And there were so many events that we had that just went so well. And and we hit some record numbers at these events and we accomplished a lot of our objectives as a ministry, which was so cool. And the program was growing, but there was one specific event that I'll never forget. I had selected the speaker for this event and I had ran the marketing for it. And we had rallied a team of volunteers to support the event. And we had organized catering for the event and all of that. And we had a great plan and it was just kind of from head to toe is probably going to be one of the largest and most comprehensive events that we had ever created. And I was just so excited about it. And uh, it it was going well. We had breakfast. The caterer was excellent. The conversations were great. The number of people in attendance was just wonderful for a 6 a.m. breakfast. And then we went over to hear the speaker and the speaker was a dud. (laughs) They weren't necessarily a bad communicator. It was just bad. The message just wasn't very good. And there were people checking their phones throughout, just kind of thinking about like, when is this thing going to be over? And I just sat there the entire time just thinking, I didn't vet the speaker enough. I didn't vet the speaker enough. I can't believe I screwed this up. And I just said, I should have tried to hunt down some content or tried to talk them through their outline or something like this because it was just awful. And I just kept thinking to myself, man, there's going to be some of these people that may never come back to one of our events because this was not a good use of their time. And I felt so devastated by that. And I was really, really upset. But what's crazy is that that experience was not the thing that was most devastating to me about that event. And it certainly wasn't what taught me the lesson that I'm about to share with you. It was in the debrief meeting that we had the following week because we sat down the following week and I sat down with the person who was my boss at the time and I did what I know to do and what I believe is correct to do is I started immediately taking ownership and just saying, I, like, I'm sorry, you've given this to me to own and you've trusted me with this responsibility. And he, and he stopped me. He cut me off. And I'll never forget this. He cut me off and he said, Alex, this is entirely on me. This is entirely my responsibility. I should have done X, Y, and Z. I should have vetted the speaker. I should have looked for more content. I should have uh, made sure that I talked to some people that had heard this person speak before. And this is entirely on me. This is entirely my responsibility Uh, you have nothing to apologize for. This is entirely my fault and I'm just going to own this and and we can just move forward and say, I've learned from this and we're going to do better moving forward. Okay. So here's, here's how my paradigm shifted in that moment. Uh, My reaction to that was not, oh man, well, that's great. It's all his responsibility. So that means it's not my fault. That was not my reaction to that. My reaction to that was that I was devastated. It crushed me. And here's why it crushed me. And this is really important for you to understand as a leader is because he said, this is all my responsibility. This is all my fault. I completely own this. This is on me. What I said is, man, I thought I had some real autonomy in this. I thought I had some real ownership in this. I thought I had some real responsibility in this. And I thought I was actually in some ways driving this thing. And what it felt like was that moment when you give your kid in the car a fake steering wheel, right? And they think that they're driving the car and they're having fun driving the car. And then one day they realize that their steering wheel isn't actually controlling anything at all. It felt like that. And it felt like, man, I thought I was driving and it turns out I'm not. And it turns out that I don't really have any responsibility. And so the question in my mind kind of became, 
what am I doing? Like, what am I doing every single day? And certainly that's not what that leader intended. And that leader truly, in many ways, is one of the greatest leaders I've ever worked for, right? But he was just acting on what so many of us know to do is we take the blame as leaders and we give credit. And yes, I think we should take the blame and I think we should ultimately bear the blame. But there's a difference between blame and responsibility. And that's what I want you to know. And what I want you to hear in this section is that sometimes in the desire to shelter people or protect people, we take responsibility from them. And in reality, that's not helpful because what we should be doing as leaders is giving responsibility to them, right? Give them the opportunity to experience the highs and lows of what it is to own something. Because if you want an ownership mentality on your team, then they have to know what it's like to experience extreme success that was the result of their labor, their effort, their intentionality. But then on the other side of that, they've got to have the experience of what it feels like to experience failure or non-fatal mistakes resulted to, man, I screwed that up. And if we swoop in and save the day or say this is all on me in an effort to save them, then we are actually robbing responsibility from them. And so what I want you to know is that mistakes are the cost of ownership. And so if you want someone to own something, number one, make sure it's clear what they're owning. But then number two, just recognize they're going to make some mistakes And set that expectation for them that I don't expect you to be perfect. I expect that you're going to make some mistakes and we're going to learn from them. And that's what I'm, that's our focus. And we're going to do our best. We're going to make mistakes and then we're going to quickly recover. So mistakes are the cost of ownership. And if you want someone to own something, you have to be willing to let them make mistakes because that was the cost of you owning something. I guarantee you that anything that you own right now that you care about deeply, there's mistakes that you've made with regard to it. Okay, number two, the second thing that I want you to know within this kind of arena and sphere of responsibility is that the amount of freedom you experience is proportional to the amount of responsibility that you take. And and so this really applies to your team members. If you want them to experience the freedom of being able to make decisions, of being able to take action, of not being micromanaged, if you want them to experience that freedom, you have to allow them to take responsibility. Because in the absence of someone taking responsibility, they will devolve to having tasks delegated to them and being micromanaged in the way that they do these tasks. So a way better way to lead people is instead of delegating tasks to people, delegate outcomes to people. Paint a clear picture of what winning looks like with regard to a certain area or arena of the business, with regard to their role, with regard to what you are expecting of them. Paint a clear picture of what winning looks like and then tell them, I want you to own this. And of course, I will help and I will serve as much as I can and as you request it, but you own this thing and you are ruthlessly, intentionally, deliberately, purposefully responsible for the success and failure of this area But what's cool is that you're going to experience the benefits of great success. And and I want that for you. And I want the freedom associated with you being on the hook for this thing. So we kind of have to decide that we're not going to shelter people because the amount of freedom you experience is often directly related or is proportional to the amount of responsibility that you take. 
That's actually one of our core values at Path for Growth is freedom and responsibility. We tell all of our team members whenever they're onboarded, like we are not gonna check how you're using your time. We are not gonna have you track your time. We are not gonna have you like check in and say, were you working at 8 a.m. this morning? We're not gonna ask you to submit a PTO request. We're gonna ask you to be responsible. And in the process of being responsible, do whatever you want right? We're going to be crystal clear about the results that you're being held to, the values that you're being held accountable to, the standards by which we operate as a company, the key results areas that you are uniquely responsible for as a part of this team, the seat on the bus that you're going to play. We're going to be so unbelievably clear about those. We're going to evaluate those regularly. We're going to have regular one-on-one communication. And outside of that, man, if we're going to red, yellow, green those, and you're all green, Yeah, go work from the beach. Yeah, start work at noon. Yeah, take Thursday off, right? Of course you should do those things. Why? Because the amount of freedom you experience is directly proportional to the amount of responsibility you take. We could do a whole podcast on that core value. Maybe we will one day. But when we don't allow people to take responsibility, then we actually rob it from them. And we, we rob from them even worse, the opportunity to experience real life-giving freedom. Okay, the final thing that I want you to know with regard to this area of responsibility is that growth occurs just beyond the edge of what's comfortable. And so when you give responsibility to people, when you give people outcomes that they are responsible for, when you delegate areas of your business to people, the greatest growth for them is going to occur just beyond where they are comfortable. Now, there's kind of two ways that we can screw this up. The first way is that we can go way beyond what's comfortable. And when we go way beyond what's comfortable for someone, we say, oh, I just trust them. I'm just giving them, I'm just delegating outcomes. And it's like suddenly all they've managed is a $2,000 budget and suddenly they're managing a $2 million P&L. That's not just beyond, that's way beyond what's comfortable. It's also way beyond where they're competent and what they have the capacity to do. And sometimes we expect people to be able to carry a 200 pound load because they become proficient at carrying 25 pounds. And what I would tell you is that you need to delegate more gradually. But more often than not, what I see impact-driven leaders do because they care so much about their team and care so much about their customers is that they actually don't give enough weight is that this person is capable of carrying 50, maybe even 100 pounds, but they're just busy giving them 25 pounds because they want to shelter them and they don't want to run the risk that this person could max out. And what I want to tell you is that responsibility is a good, powerful, life-giving thing that results in freedom. And so if they're just a little bit uncomfortable with taking on some certain things because they're a perfectionist that might have to risk making some mistakes or because they don't know if they can handle it all or because they might have to uh, rely on other people and get help from other people, I would tell you they're in their sweet spot. And I want you to encourage them and I want you to lead them and I want you to tell them, hey, the fact that this is hard does not mean that it's wrong. The fact that it's hard means that it's working and you're growing and I'm rooting for you and I wanna see you win and I wanna see you move forward and I want you to put on your motivational hat as a leader and I want you to tell them, hey, I think right now I see more in you than you see in yourself and so I'm gonna push you. I'm gonna say, let's go. I'm gonna be here to help you. I'm in your corner, but I think you can do this. I think you can own this. I think you can be responsible for this. I think you can take on more responsibility and with more responsibility creates more freedom, more benefits, more gifts, and you get to passionately experience the life associated with knowing that you are owning something. Can you tell that I get a little bit passionate about this? 
Stop taking responsibility from people. Start giving responsibility to people. Okay, and let's move on to the third one. Stop avoiding silence and start embracing silence. This really isn't related to that topic of responsibility at all. It's just something that I thought about in, in, with regard to the actionable items of what we should stop doing as leaders and what we should start doing as leaders. And I, I thought back to two of the strongest leaders that I've ever worked with. And one of them was Dave Ramsey. And something unique about Dave that I've only observed truly in, in this way with one other leader that I've ever worked with is you could be in a one-on-one meeting with him or certainly in a group meeting with him And there would be times where he was just silent and he would be saying something and then he would just pause. And the pause would be not like a two second pause. It would be like a long drawn out pause. And and it was the same way with the, the other leader that I worked with. He would do the same thing. And I used to think it was so weird. And even sitting sometimes with Dave, I would think it's so weird. I was like, what is going on here? Like, are they doing this for dramatic effect or why why are they pausing for so long? And I, I don't think I actually realized what was going on until I owned my own business. And what I can tell you is now I think I understand because there are so many times where we're discussing decisions or we're discussing actions, or we're discussing kind of challenging relational situations with potential customers or customers or team members. And we're discussing things where the stakes are high, where I just feel like I need to think. And I will tell you a more immature and less grown version of Alex in that situation, his natural impulse would have been to talk and to just come up with an answer because you've got to be the person that has the answers. And what I learned from Dave and certainly what I've learned from the other leader who exemplified the same tactic is that there is nothing wrong with sitting silent in a room of people and just thinking and playing it out in your head and just saying, okay, let me make sure I've actually got my head wrapped around what's going on here. And what's crazy is anytime I allow for that to happen, the responses on the other side, the decisions on the other side, the actions on the other side are always way more thoughtful, way more wholehearted, and way more intentional. And it results in me being a present leader. So sometimes we feel like we need to jump in and that there can't be any silence in conversation. So we just need to, maybe it's not even give the right answer. Maybe it's just give an answer or make a decision. And here's the deal. There is nothing wrong with pausing in silence in a room and just say, let me think about that for a second. And I I know for a fact that one of the things that will keep us from doing this is awkward, right? Is we feel like it might be awkward. And I was someone that would avoid awkward situations at all costs. And that's because I thought awkward was bad. And what I want you to know is awkward isn't bad. Awkward is just awkward. And so there's times where you need time to think where you need time to process, where you need time to either mentally or emotionally wrap your head or heart around the situation that's going on. And you need to not avoid silence. You need to embrace silence. And that's going to be awkward. There will also be times that maybe the people that you're meeting with, whether those be customers or team members or potential clients or vendors or strangers, maybe or family members or close connections or friends, where they need to wrap their head and heart around something that's really challenging and really difficult and they need time to process. So there's going to be some silence and it's going to be awkward. And what I want you to know is awkward isn't bad. Awkward is just awkward. 
And so what I used to do is I used to rescue myself and others from awkward situations by finding something to say, by making a joke or by speaking into the situation or just by coming up with something or by giving the answer to them. And what I want you to hear is that that was not the right approach. And what I've learned now and what we now teach our coaches and what we now practice within the Path for Growth community on our community office hours calls is that awkward isn't bad. Awkward is just awkward. But here's the other principle is that good often comes on the other side of awkward. And I would even amend that statement a little bit. It's not just good that often comes on the other side of awkward. I would say gold often comes on the other side of awkward. I can tell you, sometimes we've seen this happen in our coaching community where someone will get asked a question and there will be a long pause. And I'm so proud of the group whenever this happens. People just allow them to sit with it. And they don't jump in. They don't try and rescue the situation. They just allow them to sit in silence for a second. And then eventually that person responds. And more often than not, it's gold. That's because we actually gave them the time and the margin and the space and the safety to actually process what's real and what matters. But so often we don't embrace silence enough to be able to do that. And you just set the expectation that sometimes things feel awkward and awkward isn't bad, awkward isn't good, awkward is just awkward. But if we both reckon that that's just part of reality, that sometimes things are awkward, and that good or gold often occurs on the other side of awkward, then we can just sit in it and accept it and be present with it, and therefore reap the benefits that always show up on the other side of silence. So we want to stop avoiding silence and start embracing silence. Let's review real quick what we're going to stop doing and what we're going to start doing as impact-driven leaders. We're going to stop giving answers. We're going to start asking questions. We're going to stop taking responsibility from people. We're going to start giving responsibility to people. And then, like we just said, we're going to stop avoiding silence and we're going to start embracing silence. Hey, I hope this was helpful today. And if this content via audio is helpful on the podcast, know that we send written content every single week as well. It comes via email. And many of you probably know I, I hate email. And the reason why I hate email is because most email isn't worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. That's why we set out to create one email a week that is worth it. And we call it Worth It Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. It's something that's meant to give you a midweek boost every single Wednesday. And it's something that can typically be read in under three minutes. So if you want to be a part of that growing list and that growing community that is the Worth It Wednesday community, we'll put the link to sign up for that in the show notes. Y'all, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.